Public Radio KMXT is supported by a grant from North Pacific Fuel, serving and continuing the tradition of excellent service to the community at three locations, Marine Dock at 715 Shelikoff Street, Gas and Go at the Y, and Gas and Go at Mill Bay. It's nearly 12 o'clock, and time for the KMXT Midday Report. Thank you for listening to KMXT. On 100.1 FM, it is your public radio station, broadcasting from beautiful downtown Kodiak, Alaska, where it is 62 degrees under what they are calling overcast skies, but I see a lot of blue. Out at the airport, they have 65% humidity, northwest winds to 7 miles per hour, and 10 miles of visibility. Look for scattered showers mixed with mostly sunny skies for today and tomorrow. Highs in the lower 60s, northwest winds turning to the south tomorrow afternoon. Coming up on the Midday Report, both of Alaska's senators were in Kodiak last week for a fisheries roundtable and other things. Opposition to a June Pride Month event has testimony quite testy in Soldotna. And Mayor Charlie Pierce has decided to resign. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Windsor Johnston. The Justice Department says some of the documents gathered during its search of former President Donald Trump's home may be covered under attorney-client privilege. NPR's Carrie Johnson reports today marks three weeks since the FBI executed a search warrant on Trump's Palm Beach estate. A judge in Florida has said she's inclined to appoint an independent special master to review the documents as Trump's lawyers have requested. But federal prosecutors say a special team has already completed a review of the papers. The Justice Department says they found only a limited number of documents that could potentially be covered by attorney-client privilege. DOJ and intelligence officials continue to review the classification levels of the documents. The director of national intelligence is also assessing the national security risks that could have resulted from disclosure of the materials. Lawyers for the government and former President Donald Trump are due in court later this week. Carrie Johnson, NPR News, Washington. NASA was forced to postpone the long-awaited launch of its new moon rocket today. Just minutes before the countdown at the Kennedy Space Center, the agency scrubbed the mission, citing a combination of issues. Artemis mission manager Mike Serafin says crews are working to correct the problem. The team worked through a number of issues today. Uh, The team was tired at the end of the day, and we just decided that it was the best to knock it off and uh, to reconvene tomorrow. NASA is aiming to try again on Friday if the team can resolve the problems within the next 48 to 72 hours. The test launch is part of a broader effort to send astronauts around the moon in 2024 and to land them there as early as 2025. Roads and neighborhoods are flooded in Mississippi after days of torrential rainfall. NPR's Debbie Elliott reports officials say more than 100 homes are in danger of flooding. 
The Pearl River is overflowing its banks in and around Jackson, Mississippi's capital. The mayor has urged several residential areas to evacuate as the waters rise. A downtown bridge is closed and several roadways are submerged. The river is forecast to crest just under major flood stage level. Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves declared a state of emergency over the weekend, and emergency officials distributed sandbags to help protect homes and businesses. Jackson Public Schools have shifted to virtual learning for students who attend schools in the flood zone. The region suffered heavy flood damage in 2020. Debbie Elliott, NPR News. Stocks are trading lower on Wall Street at this hour. At last check, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down 184 points. The Nasdaq Composite also trading lower, down 124. The S&P 500 down 27 points. This is NPR News. NPR News is presentada a usted en parte por la Providence Kodiak Island Centro de Asoramiento. Para una cita o más información, por favor llama al 907-481-2400. For KMXT, I'm Terry Haynes. Both of Alaska's senators were in Kodiak last week for a fisheries roundtable on Wednesday. They were joined by members of the island's commercial fishing community, including processors and fishermen, and officials from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. At a public reception Wednesday night held at the Kodiak Fisheries Research Center, NOAA Fisheries Assistant Administrator Janet Coit said the discussion was one of the best she'd been a part of, and the diversity of voices made for a productive conversation. There were also great differences uh, in terms of looking at the future, uh, how we manage fisheries in the Gulf. So it was interesting to hear areas where everyone shared a point of view, including that NOAA fisheries should do more science. Senator Lisa Murkowski also attended a Kodiak Area Native Association roundtable during her time in Kodiak. She'll return to the island in early October for the Kodiak Chamber of Commerce's fisheries debate. It's one of six debates Murkowski's campaign announced on Friday that the senator would be participating in ahead of the November election. Senator Sullivan's visit included a trip to Kodiak's Pacific Spaceport Complex and meetings with city and borough officials. Opposition to a June Pride Month event continues to dominate public testimony at city council meetings in Soldotna. Meanwhile, the city says it will start a review of its park reservation policies this fall. KDLL's Sabine Pooks has more. Pushback started in June after a conservative Alaska blog posted an eight-second clip of a drag queen dancing on stage at the city-operated Soldatna Creek Park. The performance was part of a pride march in celebration from a local group. And after the video was posted, the city of Soldatna received a flood of comments from those who took issue with what they said were inappropriate dancing and clothing from the performers. Other commenters and members of the Soldatna City Council said the attendees and performers were protected by their freedom of expression. Still, the city said it would take another look at its decades-old park reservation policies. At Wednesday's meeting, city manager Stephanie Queen said that process will start this fall. It's normal in updating codes, especially something of this gravity, that that's going to take some time. But commenters who've testified at all three city council meetings say they want to see action now. Some asked the city to take a stance against grooming and pedophilia. Eric Hugarte, who's running for Soldatna City Council, says he'll keep showing up to every meeting until the city does something. And one thing you guys got to remember is that there's a lot of people in jail 
who are not happy with what's going on. Those are the people that you should be careful of. Ugarte was later escorted by the police chief out of the room. Queen says members of her staff have been getting threats over the issue. Our city staff have been threatened. The lady that waters the flowers. Do you do you was, know anybody that's in jail? And I just think uh, that no. we need to bring the the we need to maintain decorum so that everybody can participate in this process. I'm asking and this, questions, the, ma'am. And okay. I'm telling you because I know people Ugarte, in the NA Ugarte, who are please. in jail. And I'm just letting Mr. you know Ugarte. what I've heard from them. Queen says she met with the Parks and Recreation Department earlier this month to outline a process for reviewing park use policies. She says city staff will review the facility use agreement, re-examine the park's fee structure, and look into other cities' park policies, among other tasks. And she says any drafted changes made by city staff will then head to the Soldatna Parks and Recreation Advisory Board and then to the city council. Soldatna Mayor Paul Whitney says that process will take time. There's no, no reason for anyone on this council to pass any ordinance that cannot withstand a legal challenge. At a previous city council meeting, Salatna city attorney cautioned against creating any restrictions that would react to one particular kind of event or censor one type of speech at the park. In Salatna, I'm Sabine Pooks. U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski traveled to Unalaska last Tuesday as part of an effort to spur the United States government to clean up contaminated lands conveyed to Alaska natives. KUCB's Theo Greenlee has more. The U.S. government conveyed 44 million acres of land to Alaska Natives as part of the 1971 Alaska Native Corporation Settlement Act, or ANCSA. But lots of that land was polluted by things like mining and military operations. And so for the past 50 years, different organizations have been arguing over whose responsibility it is to clean it up. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm calling... To order. Senator Lisa Murkowski co-chairs the Senate Committee on Indian Affairs. This is an official United States Senate hearing. She and a group of state and federal officials held a Senate hearing in Unalaska Tuesday to organize cleanup efforts to some of that polluted land. People are looking for an actionable plan. To me, what we're discussing today is really environmental injustice, true environmental injustice. We're talking about lands that the federal government conveyed to Alaska Native corporations to settle aboriginal land claims that were often horribly contaminated. Even Pressure has been rising for the government to do something. The state of Alaska sued the feds in July, arguing that the Anxa land was too polluted to develop and that the Department of the Interior had to act. Jason Bruni is the commissioner for Alaska's Department of Environmental Conservation, and he told Tuesday's panel that litigation was Alaska's only choice. We had to bring litigation against the Department of the Interior, against the Bureau of Land Management. We did not want to bring litigation. We were hoping, and we've been trying to resolve this, and we all recognize this as an issue, but we ultimately... Uh, the, the force of litigation has ultimately brought us together. The community of Unalaska has more than 50 sites that have been deemed areas of concern, covering around 80,000 acres. Vince Tudiakoff Sr. is the mayor of Unalaska. He's also the traditional chief of the Kowalungan tribe of Unalaska and chairs the board of Unalaska's native corporation. He said they've been petitioning the government to do something for decades. 
we're tired of it. Every time we get a letter back, oh, we're going to confirm this, and then we're going to start a study. Well, we've been studied enough. I think it's time to take all these studies and put them up on the shelf. They've been studied enough. Come out here. Send people out here. Murkowski ended the hearing by directing the Department of the Interior to step up to be the coordinating agency. She said it was their responsibility and that she expected them to act immediately. So I would like to know that by the end of this week, we can get some kind of a determination from Interior as to, as to a commitment as a coordinating agency. Because and if the Department of the Interior doesn't take up that effort, Murkowski said she'd take action. An answer. And if I need to legislate an answer, I will. Anyone who wants to submit public testimony can send it to testimony at indian.senate.gov. In Unalaska, I'm Theo Greenley. Anchorage police say officers shot an armed man on Friday morning after he held a child as a human shield. Anchorage Police Chief Michael Curl said at a news conference about the shooting that the dispute began at a North Anchorage home around 4.40 a.m. During a domestic dispute, a suspect fired a shot inside a residence. No one was injured, and as a result of the shooting, the adult male suspect fled the scene with an elementary-aged juvenile and a gray Nissan Pathfinder. Curl said the man was related to the child but wouldn't comment further. Curl said an officer spotted the man's SUV around 6.30 a.m. near Lake Otis Parkway and Tudor Road. No one was in it. He said officers then saw the man trying to cross the street nearby with a child and confronted him. They said they determined he had a handgun. Officers again ordered the suspect to stop, and he continued to ignore their commands and pointed his handgun at the officers. An officer discharged their weapon, and the suspect was struck in the midsection and taken into custody. An officer fired twice at the suspect. Curl said the man tried to cover himself with the child. It appears the juvenile was used as a human shield. The juvenile appeared to be uninjured. Curl said the man didn't have life-threatening injuries and was taken to a hospital. Officers won't name him until charges are filed. The Chena River State Recreation Site partially reopened on Friday. The site on the Chena River in Fairbanks is open for day use after having been closed since June 2020 due to the pandemic, the University of Alaska, the University Avenue Reconstruction Project, and most significantly, chronic crime. As KUAC's Dan Bross reports, there is cautious optimism that recent changes will improve safety. State agencies, the city of Fairbanks, and the Fairbanks Rescue Mission worked together over the last month to rehabilitate the Chena River State Recreation Site. The effort included picking up human waste, needles and trash, cleaning up abandoned campsites and graffiti, removing a burned park host cabin, and a lot of overgrown brush and trees. The site looks like a park again, and the challenge is now keeping it that way. Northern Region State Park Superintendent Ian Thomas says they only have two rangers and cannot provide the kind of 24-7 law enforcement the Chena Rec site needs. We, as a division, won't be able to offer, offer that round-the-clock law enforcement support. Um, I've been into some brief discussions with Chief Doopey on, on how to make that happen, as well as Mayor Matherly just a little while ago. That plan's kind of developing now, but we're, we're going to have to work together is what it comes down to, and we'll just do our best to, to keep it under control. 
City Police Chief Ron Dupe was unavailable to attend Friday's reopening, but Police Captain Nathan Warner says officers aim to pay more attention to the urban recreation site. Just having it be on the mind of officers that it's in their regular routine, you know, I mean, it's part of the city. The site became a place for the homeless to camp during the two-plus-year closure, and the reopening process included outreach by police and the Fairbanks Rescue Mission. Rescue Mission Director Pete Kelly says they're trying to address basic needs. Some of the social services that are available, um, likewise sanitation, uh, it's, a, it's a big big thing. And, of course, one of the things that we worry about the most is it's, it's a life safety issue at 35 below. Kelly stresses that it's not a simple fix, as many people living outside in Fairbanks are dealing with mental health and substance abuse issues. People aren't necessarily coming to us because the economy is bad or something like that, though there is a, a part of that. Um, but, but mental health and behavioral health are drivers. The mission employed a group of its residents to help with the Chena Rec site cleanup, and Kelly says the mission will be under state contract to provide basic facility upkeep through the end of the season. Police for garbage daily, um, change out the toilet paper and make sure the places are clean and, and deal with graffiti. The contract with Pete Kelly and the rescue mission, mission is going to be absolutely critical to keeping this place clean and ready for, for visitors. Park Superintendent Thomas says it's unclear when or whether the site's formerly heavily wooded campground The location of a lot of past problems will reopen. The increased visibility and the work the Division of Forestry has done might have a huge impact on some of the activity we've had a hard time controlling. So I think we just need to see how this first phase, this partial reopening goes, and then re-engage those conversations. There are porta-potties at the rec site, but Thomas says the actual restrooms remain closed because essential plumbing was damaged in the fire that destroyed the campground host cabin last month. For now, the Chena River State Recreation Site's day-use area, upgraded boat launch, and refurbished pavilion are open between 7 a.m. and 11 p.m. through the rest of the season. In Fairbanks, I'm Dan Bross. Kenai Peninsula Borough Mayor Charlie Pierce announced on Friday he's resigning as mayor next month to focus full-time on his gubernatorial campaign. KDLL's Sabine Pooks has this update. Pierce, a conservative from Sterling, is in his second term as mayor of the Kenai Peninsula Borough. He was first elected in 2017, and his current term doesn't end until late next year. He announced his resignation this morning on a conservative podcast and in a written statement posted to Facebook and did not immediately respond to calls seeking comment. Pierce has previously said he'd plan an exit strategy if he advanced to the general election for Alaska governor, which he's appeared to do per unofficial election results. Pierce and running mate Edie Grunwald are polling fourth in the governor's primary with about 6.7 percent of the total vote as of a Thursday update. The move ahead to the general election in November. They trail far behind the top three candidates. Incumbent Republican Mike Dunleavy is leading in the race with 41 percent of the vote. Democrat Les Guerra and Independent Bill Walker each have just over 22 percent. Pierce told his former chief of staff, John Quick, on the Must Read Alaska podcast that his resignation is effective the end of the day, September 30th. So I'm going to go campaign. And, uh, you know, it was my uh, campaign team's desire to for me to do this much earlier. But I, again, uh, putting a plan together and and. Uh, I will help through the transition. 
Alaska statute says if a mayor resigns more than six months before a regular election, the borough must hold a special election to fill the remainder of the term. In the short term, the mayor has an administrative officer who's designated to carry out his powers when he can't, according to borough code. That designated authority is the borough's chief of staff, Aaron Rhodes. Borough Finance Director Brandy Harbaugh is an alternate. Borough Attorney Sean Kelly says the legal department will publish a memo to the Assembly about the succession process next week. Before Charlie Pierce was borough mayor, he served on the Kenai Peninsula Borough Assembly and was a manager at NSTAR. In Kenai, I'm Sabine Pooks. KMXT Local News is underwritten in part by GCI. GCI has adjusted store hours across the state to keep our customers and employees as safe as possible during this time. The most up-to-date store hours are available on GCI.com. Insight Daily Radio. From food to fashion, science to tech talk, or for just plain fun, we've got you covered. From the art of all things, here's Lasana Jeffries. After death, you're aware that you've died, say scientists. The moment the heart stops is considered time of death, but does death overtake our mind immediately afterward, or does it slowly creep in? Some scientists have studied near-death experiences to try to gain insights into how death overcomes the brain. What they found is remarkable. A surge of electricity enters the brain moments before brain death, creating a hyper-aware state. Scientists are beginning to think that NDE, or near-death experience, is caused by reduced blood flow, coupled with abnormal electrical behavior inside the brain. So the stereotypical tunnel of white light may derive from a surge of neural activity. Many times, those who have had such experiences describe watching doctors and nurses working, and they'll describe having awareness of full conversation, of visual things that were going on that would have otherwise not been known to them. Even after our breathing, the heartbeat stops. We're conscious for about 2 to 20 seconds. That's how long the cerebral cortex, the thinking and decision-making part of the brain, is thought to last without oxygen. It's also responsible for deciphering the information gathered from our senses. You lose all your brainstem reflexes, your gag reflex, your pupil reflex is gone. Brain waves from the cerebral cortex soon become undetectable. Even so, It can take hours for our thinking organ to fully shut down. At the same time, there are current studies of the human mind and consciousness in the context of death to understand whether consciousness becomes annihilated or whether it continues after you've died for some period of time. Thanks for listening. I'm Lisana Jeffries. Insight Daily Radio. The polls have closed on the August 16th primary election. Preliminary results have been released online by the Alaska Division of Elections. Final results will not be posted until Wednesday, August 31st, giving time for all ballots postmarked by Election Day to be counted, including mail ballots from rural Alaska, from college students in the lower 48, and from Alaskans serving in our military abroad. This message sponsored by Alaskans for Better Elections. This is the Island Messenger, a look at personal messages, the weather, and community announcements. Good afternoon and welcome to your Island Messenger for Monday. It is the 29th day of August, the year 2022. The sun rose today at 7.04. It will set again at 9.15. That will give us 14 hours and 11 minutes of daylight 
a loss of 4 minutes and 51 seconds compared to yesterday. Our record low for this date was 36 degrees. That was set in 1994. And our record high was 80 degrees, set in 1930. Currently 62 degrees. They are showing overcast skies at the airport right now. Northwest winds to 7 miles per hour. 65% humidity and 10 miles of visibility. Scattered showers for today and tomorrow, but mostly sunny skies for that period as well. Partly cloudy skies overnight with a low around 52. North winds to 10. Should turn to the northwest tomorrow and become southerly tomorrow afternoon. Well, let's see what the Alaska Department of Fish and Game has to say from their announcement yesterday. This is the Alaska Department of Fish and Game with Kodiak Commercial Salmon Fishery Advisory Announcement Number 33. This announcement was issued at 10 a.m. August 28th. There will be a 72-hour extension to the current commercial salmon fishing period from 6 p.m. Sunday, August 28th until 6 p.m. Wednesday, August 31st in the following areas. The central and north cape sections of the northwest Kodiak District, the southwest Afognak section of the Afognak District, and the Isuit Bay section of the Afognak District. There will be a 54-hour commercial salmon fishing period in the outer Carlick section of the southwest Kodiak District from noon Monday, August 29th to 6 p.m. Wednesday, August 31st. As previously announced, the following areas will close to commercial salmon fishing at 6 p.m. Sunday, August 28th. The east side Kodiak District, except the inner Ugak and outer Ugak Bay sections are closed. The Cape Alatak, Humpy Deadman, Alatak Bay, Mosier Bay, and Olga Bay sections of the Alatak District. The outer Iakulik section of the southwest Kodiak District and the Cape Igvac, Wide Bay, Olinchak Bay, Katmai, and Dakovac Bay sections of the mainland district. Closed water adjustments. Closed waters are expanded until 6 p.m. Wednesday, August 31st at Molina Creek to consist of all waters within one half mile of the beach near the terminus of Molina Creek, stream number 251105. Fishermen are reminded that until further notice, in that portion of the northwest Kodiak and southwest Kodiak districts south of the latitude of Cape Kuliak, Chinook salmon 28 inches or greater in length may not be retained by person gear in the commercial fishery and must be returned to the water unharmed. Closed waters are shown on the Kodiak area salmon statistical chart and detailed in the commercial salmon fishing regulations. Statistical charts, harvest strategies, and commercial salmon fishing regulations are available at the Kodiak Fishing Game Office. Recent salmon fishery information may be obtained by calling the department's 24-hour recorder phone at 486-4559. We have an incoming tide. Our next high tide here on the east side will happen at 415 this afternoon and be 8.2 feet, followed by a low tide at 10.09 p.m. of 8 tenths. Over on the west side, you have a high tide coming up at 4.42 this afternoon. That will be a 14-foot tide in Larson Bay, followed by a low tide at 10.49 p.m. of 1 foot. Mariners, here's your forecast for Marmot Island to Sitkanak, Kodiak's east side. Northwest 15 today, seas to 4 feet. Variable 10 tonight, seas to 4 feet. And for tomorrow, north 15 becoming southwest in the afternoon, seas to 4 feet. Over in the Shelikoff Strait, west wind to 20 knots today, seas to 3 feet. Northwest 20 tonight, seas to 3 feet. And for tomorrow, southwest 15, seas to 4 feet in the Shelikoff. The Lutic Museum is renovating its gallery. What would you like to see in their new gallery? Join them from 5.30 to 7 p.m. tomorrow at the museum for a special conversation to share your ideas. This conversation will be facilitated and an opportunity for the Kodiak community to provide ideas about what you would like to see in the museum. Come help them envision their future exhibits. 
This is generously sponsored by Coney Ag and the Institute for Museum and Library Sciences. And again, that's 5.30 to 7 p.m. tomorrow at the Alutic Museum. Senior citizens of Kodiak will be holding their board meeting on Wednesday. That'll happen at 1 p.m. in the multi-purpose room of the Kodiak Senior Center. The public is invited. For more information, call the center at 907-486-6181. Happening at the public library is a beehive check tomorrow at 1 p.m. Please call to reserve a spot outside with the beekeeper, 486-8686. On Wednesday, the library hosts a Lego club. Children under 10 must be accompanied by an adult. That happens at 3.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Thursday at 10.30 a.m., the library will host a lap-sit story time for babies 0 to 3 and their adults. Join volunteer Abby Hanna to share a story and a song with some quality time to play and socialize. Call the library with any questions. And on Thursday, the library's next chess club will be meeting. Drop in to learn, practice, or sharpen your chess skills in a cozy, friendly environment. No experience is necessary, and it's open for all ages. The library's summer reading program ends September 3rd. Be sure to log your reading on Beanstack and turn in your written log in, turn your written log in before 5 p.m. September 3rd. Again, that number to call in the library is 486-8686. Coming up this next weekend, Kodiak Rodeo and State Fair, featuring bull riding through rescue race. That's happening the 3rd and 4th, starting at 3 p.m. Open Gates open at noon. Also, the Kodiak State Fair is going on, as well as the rodeo. If you can make it, build it, grow it, or harvest it, you can enter it in the Kodiak State Fair. Enter your all uh, quilts, garden uh, products, anything you can name. Submit entries at the exhibit hall, Thursday, 4 p.m. to 7 p.m., and Friday, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Listen for the Island Messenger here on Public Radio KMXT two times a day, Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. and during the midday report at 12.20. If you have a community announcement or personal message, including lost and found items or pets, you can call KMXT at 486-3181. Fax us at 486-2733 or email psa at kmxt.org.